We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome. To the Pat Mayo experience. Let's get into this NFL free agency fantasy recap. We might go over uh, report cards, winners and losers of actual real life free agency at some point. But today, this is a fantasy show. So we're going to be talking about fantasy football and the giveaway for today's show. Part one of the free agency recap. You can find part two out tomorrow. Or if it's already tomorrow, you can just find them both out right now on the DraftKings YouTube channel and the Pat Mayo Experience audio feed. And if you subscribe to that audio feed, be it on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever, subscribe to it, download the last, like, five episodes, leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle something you enjoy about the show, and you'll be in a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars. You want to get into the $20 draw as well for the video? Smash the like button, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me which of the new either recently traded or signed quarterbacks in new locations you think will be the best fantasy performer for the 2020 NFL season if that even happens we're so far away we're just dealing all in hypotheticals right now joining me to go over all of the free agent signings and the trades from the athletic.com it's Jake Seeley what's going on my man (laughs) <laughs> not too much yeah by the way you always ask me like where people can find stuff we're doing things too like if you want to go here's the easiest way to just go to my free agency link like just i tweet it out or go find it on the website it's a 90 day free trial right now so hopefully all sports are, i mean we're gonna be drafting fantasy football teams by the time that trial ends so it's 90 free days right now i i actually did a draft over the weekend so i can impart some of how this affected drafts now it was an nba mlb and nfl draft all into one for the league of leagues league that i play in 12 hour draft good way to kill a day not gonna lie to you you need that day to fly <laughs> by because you're not doing anything you gotta do a three sport league of league style draft but i can tell you where some of the new names went in comparison to the other names that are around them now there are keepers in this league stuff is structured a little bit odd but value ends up being the same when you talk about this but we're going to start with quarterbacks and we're going to start with tom brady brady goes to the tampa bay buccaneers where to go 
<laughs> I got that one wrong. I got that one on our last video. Definitely got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff uh, wrong going on in the prediction market right now. So, hey, this is where he ends up. He ends up in Tampa. He's going to have Evans and Godwin flanked on the outsides. O.J. Howard, is he going to get a huge tick up? Because, you know, Tom Brady loves him some tight ends. But for Brady in particular, like, is he a QB1 in this system? Because I'm still kind of working under the impression that Tom Brady might be kind of cooked. No, I actually do think he is a QB1 because he was a QB1 last year. I mean, barely, but he was last year. And look, when it comes down to drafting, am I going to draft him as such? No, that's he's the safe route. He's the one that you pair with a Josh Allen from last year. So maybe next year, if you think somebody else is going to be that kind of guy, here, you know, go look at what happened with Jacksonville and traded away Nick Foles, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But if you want to go that route and draft, you know, Beowulf, my boy over there and pair him with Tom Brady in case, you know, Minshew loses the job in three weeks just because he looks God awful. That's what you do. And so that's why I think Brady is actually potentially top 10 because in a down year last year, he finishes QB 12. No, he doesn't run. And that's part of the lost appeal that we have with all these running quarterbacks now, especially for fantasy purposes. But if he can do what he did last year with a weak supporting cast, yes, Tom Brady's not the Tom Brady he used to be. His arm isn't what it used to be. He's not making receivers better as proof from last season. But if he can finish his QB 12 last year, I think in you put him in Arian system, despite being more efficient, he's not throwing for 5,000 yards. But what I said is he can throw for well over like 4,400, and hit the touchdown mark and probably exceed what Winston did. So he'll make up for it in the touchdowns versus the yards. I can see that. I just, when I did the draft, it came down to Brady was available pretty late and I didn't have a quarterback yet. Well, Meanie and I are a team in that we didn't have a quarterback and we talked about it. Do we take someone like Brady or take one of the safe guys you know, with the 12th or 13th quarterback off the board? Or do we just spend like our last two picks and this is what we ended up doing and we just took Cam and then Jameis and then hope that works out? I could definitely see doing that, I, but right now that, that you you're hoping one of them gets a job, but what one, if, one, 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 of one of them are going to get a job somewhere. So that's why we took the two of them. Like between them, <laughs> where they're, they're both better fantasy players than Tom Brady is, and you know, whether it be like you just mentioned, like Foles is out of Jacksonville, it wouldn't shock me to see Jacksonville go get one of these guys. It would make sense. I keep saying Pittsburgh should find a way to get the cap space and bring in Winston and catch Big Ben as toast. I mean, here's another one. Like, you could consider what you're going to do with Ben Roethlisberger next year. But I'm going to disagree on one. I agree with you. Jameis Winston's the better, far better fantasy option. You know, no matter what team he's on, he's going to keep throwing the ball. He's going to keep being aggressive downfield. Whether or not the LASIK and the surgery to his shoulder, like all those, whether all those things were excused for his interceptions, I don't believe it. It's something we talked about coming out of college. A lot of people in the industry did it. It's decision-making. His decision-making is not the best, but he's going to keep flinging it. And some of the interceptions, similar to go back to like the Blake Bortles days, is part of the reason he kept, you know, has to keep throwing in the fourth quarter because he created his own deficit. But I will say Cam versus Tom Brady. I'm taking Brady. I, like, I love Cam Newton as a fantasy player. I think he can finish number one if he's healthy. I don't know that he's not in worse shape than Tom Brady is at this point. And whether it's the sign of the team moving on, whether it's his, you know, he claims that he is, you know, you even watched him at times. He looked like the same thing happened with Tom Brady's. He hit that wall where his body is just not holding up for a different reason, similar to Tom Brady. Tom Brady is just declining with age. Cam Newton. I don't know. It's the same question we have against Ben Roethlisberger. Like what is Ben when he comes back? We assume he's still 5,000 potential yard passing Ben, but we haven't seen him. So the fact that we haven't seen Cam versus we have seen Brady, I would take Brady of a Cam, but I would do the, what you did, but just pair Brady with Winston. 
Yeah, I mean, I would still rather have Cam. Uh, yeah, you probably are going to know pretty quickly once you see him play whether he's viable or not. And if he is viable, you could end up with the number one overall quarterback. That's just not happening with Tom Brady at this point. It's not two. No, it's not. But it's, it's like- not 2008 Tom Brady. I'm not looking to tread water at quarterback. <laughs> like, I just don't. I, I There is a path for Tom Brady to finish as a top five quarterback. I just happen to think that's a very unlikely path. And I agree with you. The only difference, I just, what you guys did, I'm not faulting it. I just was, you got two big risks. You got two guys who potentially don't even have a job week one. That's what I'm saying. Like we, we sit here and assume there's going to be one, but as of right now, you know, maybe the chargers are playing chicken and they're saying, you know, Oh, we're not interested. We're fine with Tyra Taylor. But I reported that to you from the combine that I was standing there and Anthony Lynn said that while he was on the press conference or whatever you want to call it on the podium. And he said, I think Tyrod's better than he was in 2016 when I had him. So is he telling the truth? It's potentially they're lying and they're just waiting for the Panthers to cut him. So they don't even have to give up anything in a trade. And Hey, kudos if that's the case, but as of right now, they don't have jobs. As of right now, there's a risk that week one, neither one of those. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not faulting you for what you did, especially if one of them does have a job. But because neither do, like I'd rather go with Minshew Winston or Minshew Cam just so I have somebody in case they both end up as backups. Yeah, but I can just go pick up that style of player. It's not like every quarterback in this draft is gone. Like worst comes to work, I'll go pick up Mitch Trubisky for week one and go figure it out if both those guys you mean don't Nick have Foles? Or Nick Foles or Derek Carr <laughs> or someone like that. Drew Locke. Well, I don't know how deep that draft was. I forget. I thought, I, I mean, I haven't done it in a couple of years. I kind of assumed like 25 of the quarterbacks were gone. I think 20 of the quarterbacks ended up going. So yeah, well, that's, that's a pretty good amount where I would take Tom Brady. I don't want to be. Oh, I mean, I, ju- I, I, with- I did. I did just. <laughs> take two that don't have jobs right now so technically there's 14 (laughs) quarterbacks who do have jobs at the moment but Dalton's gonna end up somewhere like there's guys that you can go pick whether it could be a rookie Dalton's a backup you think Dalton's a backup Dalton's good enough to start hey now this is coming from somebody who thought Tom Brady was going back to the Patriots but I I would put again I'd put money on it right now I put money on the fact that Dalton doesn't start like at least if an injury happens that you can't throw I'm saying as of right now Dalton is going somewhere to be the backup well, I mean, the whole point behind the discussion with Brady versus these other two guys who I think just have superior fantasy upside is where we're so far away. I do expect at least one of them, if not both of them, to be starting quarterbacks in the NFL when football ends up coming back. And if they don't, like there's still guys available I can go pick up. I think that the difference between Cam's upside or Jameis's upside in the pantheon of quarterbacks versus Tom Brady is much higher that Brady would actually be somewhere closer to the 21st quarterback than the number one quarterback. Because like, you have always said that you know when you start to get between quarterbacks like five and 25 the gap isn't all that large on a per game basis no actually I was pulling that up while we were talking about it for your point I mean looking at last year QB six for points but not points per let's do points per game because Jameis finished in front of Patrick Mahomes but behind him and points let's throw Jameis into it 19 points per game the other guys are 20 20 plus 20 20 20 and 21 for Dak and then of course 27.7 for Lamar Jackson the drop off from the six that you just mentioned to get down to seven is now 17 points per game. So you've almost dropped the full two points. But if you go 17 all the way down to Gardner Minshew at 20, he's 16.1. Uh, Daniel Jones and his starts was 16.2. So exactly to your point of what I'm saying is like seven through 20 are essentially the same thing. Yeah, and like if it comes down to the point where it is full, like they do, let's say the Bears declare a starter, it's Foles and or Trubisky. If both my guys aren't starting, I'll have to drop one and pick up and play Trubisky. It's not ideal, but that's the gamble that I'm taking six months away. 
I don't know. What did Trubisky have? Like, Trubisky was 13 per game. I wouldn't go that far. I'd rather. Oh, God. Who would I, you get, Daniel Jones, you know how I feel about him. He's the poor man's version of Jameis Winston. Yeah, he was actually drafted. A lot of Giants fans oh. in this league. So someone took Daniel Jones. Well, uh, was, was there any uh, Salfinos and Jets fans taking all the Sam Darnolds of the world? I don't believe Sam Darnold went. No. Good. So, yeah, that's I, who she go. That's who should go get Jameis. Like, there's a couple teams out there, which I understand the NFL side of things, but there's a couple teams. Like, let's talk. You know, I know you said we're not going to talk real life, but Jameis's upside in real life too versus some of these starting quarterbacks that are out there. Like, I, I, I think we talked about this on your free agency show. I don't remember. I, I know I said it was somebody, but if I'm the Dolphins, I know their plans are to draft a quarterback and let Fitzpatrick start one more year. But if I'm the Dolphins and I'm sitting there and looking what everything they just did and potentially being like the 49ers and turning this thing around in one or two years, I go sign Jameis Winston. I don't care about Fitzpatrick. Okay, so at, fair enough. I mean, would you say like if it comes down to it, like, I could just start Fitzpatrick every week? Uh, you could that that I could get with that because yeah. at least by the time he loses his job in week seven, so, somebody will have popped up by then. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, like when it comes to drafting quarterback, it's not one of the elite guys that you're going to go get. I just don't consider Tom Brady to be an elite guy, even in this situation, which I agree is probably a lot better than the New England situation. So how does this affect Evans and Godwin and OJ Howard? Do you think better or worse? I would say it has to be worse for all three of them. Except for maybe no, Howard. So <laughs> maybe Howard goes up a little bit, but I think for Evans and Godwin, I don't think that you substantially like mark them down from where they were. I think they're going mm. to be good, but I think that the realization of some of their upside is going to be a bit tougher, especially if Brady's so, more careful with the ball, because like you talked about, Jameis throwing them into deficits just opens up more targets for them. Sure. And, you know, they did some things to shore up this, the defense, and Brady is going to be more efficient, not throwing as many uh, turnovers. But I went back to 2017, and that's when I would say this is what I kind of expect Brady with the Buccaneers to be. In 2017, he had 581 attempts, 4,577 yards, and 32 touchdowns. I, I think that's a very, very attainable and realistic line to have with this team. So if you go down to the receivers, the two top receivers and receivers, because one of them was Gronkowski, was Gronkowski and Edelman. And way off in third place was Amendola with 600 yards, and I think it was two or three touchdowns, 659 and two touchdowns. So I bring that up because now you put Evans and Godwin in those roles of Gronkowski and, and obviously Edelman. But I think Godwin stays the same. I think Godwin is who Brady looks for now, similar to Edelman, but also just because of his arm strength now, Godwin's going to do more in the intermediate routes. Godwin's going to do more over the middle of the field. I think you maybe ding Evans a slight bit, but he can make up for it in the touchdowns. You know, maybe he even sees an increase over last year because Brady throws better. But where I say we go further from that, not knowing if they're bringing back Perriman or somebody else or they add somebody or the people that out there that do like Scotty Miller or whatever it might be. I don't even – is he still on the roster next year? Or whatever it might be. I think the problem, that's where we get into. And I, that, I'm including O.J. Howard in that for a different reason than even what I'm talking about right now. So first of all, we have to talk about the third option. It's probably going to be six, 700 yards, you know, maybe better than two touchdowns. Maybe they get four or five, even six. So you're looking at a wide receiver four-ish. The problem is if that's O.J. Howard in the tight end role, I don't necessarily think it's O.J. Howard because O.J. Howard isn't reliant on Tom Brady. O.J. Howard's reliant on Bruce Arians. And Bruce Arians, the problem is he doesn't let him run routes. It was 40-something percent of the time out there. Cameron Brate might be the beneficiary of Tom Brady being there if Bruce Arians sticks to using O.J. Howard in that consistent, I'm going to use you blocking more than half the time because you're such a good blocker. So I do think there's opportunity for the third person. So I would say Godwin even. Evans a slight downtick. I think they could both finish as wide receiver one, but I would take Godwin before Evans, and I think Evans is more likely to finish as a wide receiver two than Godwin is. 
And then whether it's OJ Howard, whether it's a third wide receiver, whoever it might be, I think you're looking at wide receiver four or, you know, maybe tight end, high end tight end to somebody that you fill in for a couple of weeks throughout the year. One of the things that I think you should look into being factored into Tom Brady's passing numbers is how much of a share of those passing yards ended up going to like James White or Rex Burkhead out of the backfield that season, because that's kind of the sneaky element to all of this is right now, Ronald Jones, the two ends up in the backfield. He's the only guy left there. Everyone else (laughs) is a free agent. Eventually you would think they would go and sign someone or go and draft someone, but Brady likes to check down and throw to his running backs. Like someone's going to be a beneficiary there. If it is Ronald Jones, like his stock could go way up. I don't think it's going to be Ronald Jones because that's the biggest problem about Ronald Jones when he came out of college. It's not just his passing game work as in a receiver. He's better. He's slightly better than when he was at a college. Biggest problem is pass blocking too. And you still haven't seen a lot of improvements from Ronald Jones. I think if anything, Bruce Arians, we know he likes pass catching running backs. That was part of the reason you talked about the goon last year. And potentially he was always out there on third down and Peyton Barber kept getting involved. I think this is a team that makes sense to go into the draft and get like Edwards Eclair. Um, if you look at the Eclair, <laughs> if you get the Edwards and you get that pass catching role out there. And if you look at him and say, you know, that's the James White role. Now, again, the Patriots and the Buccaneers aren't exactly the same system. But to your point, I do think somebody's going to be added back there. And if Ronald Jones ends up being the more costly Buccaneers running back, I'd rather take whoever the pass catcher is likely a draft play. I, I, I think you go, Eno you know, Benjamin route. There are draftable, basically James white type running backs in this draft class. All right, let's move to Phillip rivers. He ends up going to the Colts uh, on his deal. He's going to be the starter. It looks like they're going to keep Jacoby Brissett as a very high paid backup for the moment as they let go of Brian Hoyer, who will somehow migrate his way back to the Patriots. I'm sure at this point, uh, probably as like a third stringer or the backup, who knows what they're going to end up doing, but rivers in Indianapolis in that league of leagues draft, I was able to see T Y Hilton fall to some of the later rounds. I got him. And then me and I decided that if we weren't going to go and get a top tier tight end, which we did not with Eric Ebron going to the Pittsburgh Steelers, we actually grabbed Jack Doyle as well, that those are the only two names I'm convinced are actually going to benefit a lot from Philip Rivers going to be there. Now, it could be Adventures of Superman, Dion Kane. It could be Paris Gambeau, the Frenchman. It could be anyone. I don't know who it's going to be as the secondary option or tertiary option. So I know that those two are probably going to be the benefactors. You could see them both having better years, right? I definitely could, but I don't think this roster's done. And I actually think there's something to be added in the draft, potentially two, because there's two scenarios. Actually, there's two opportunities for improvement. You mentioned T.Y. Hilton. I'm pretty much holding the same. I don't know that Rivers Rivers is an upgraded percent. I don't think it's going to be world-breaking for T.Y. Hilton. I think T.Y. Hilton, he just needs to stay healthy, and he's T.Y. Hilton. I don't know. If, I don't think he's necessarily inside that top 10. Okay, well, okay. Let, let, let me ask you this then. You have someone like Mike Evans, who you said yeah. you know could see a little bit of a drop-off, but still in the conversation as a one, probably ends up as a two. If it was him versus T.Y. Hilton, I assume that most people will take Mike Evans in the situation going into draft but I feel like they're going to be very close to me when I think about it. I think that, well, so yes, I actually think that it's a very good toss up between the two, but I would definitely take Evans. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to take it one step further and saying, assuming there's a round difference between them, I'll wait the round and get T Y Hilton. I mean, I would, that is exactly what I would do, but I, when it comes down to, obviously I'm going to wait for everything to shake out to do like full rankings on this. When I think about the V one of the rankings, I can see them falling in a very similar spot, like just off the top of my head without throwing any other names out. Just, they sound like wide receiver 13 and 14 to me. 
Yeah, don't pretend you put thought into your rankings. Come on. I, I mean, that if putting any <laughs> a modicum of thought into my rankings would be way more than I do on a weekly basis in season when I'm doing rankings. So thinking, thinking this far out in advance, like really trying to strategically pin it down would just be yeah, out of this world for me. Despite the Where's fact that Snedeker I have rank. What's that? I said, where did Snedeker rank? Yeah. So hold on. Can... Let me get back to this. Okay. So what I was going to say, so we agree with the T.Y. Hilton situation. So as the roster is constructed, like let's, let's throw it out two different ways. Let's say this is the roster constructed week one. They drafted a bunch of defense or they draft, you know, tertiary parts. I don't know. Like they strengthen the offense line, offensive line even more. I don't know. Let's just say this is the roster. I think Paris Campbell is the better, better, biggest beneficiary running out of that slot, running that speed route. You see the Keenan Allen in that big slot role. Now Paris Campbell is not exactly that kind of wide receiver, but this is the opportunity in this offense with Philip Rivers now. The second part where I think, and I do agree with you and Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle is obviously appealing, especially with Ebron gone. But the other part that I think people are overlooking is who steps into Austin Eckler's role? Naheem Hines. And like for all the talk about Marlon Mack, like not a great pass catcher, kind of in that Jordan Howard, like he can, but you know, his hands aren't that great. And obviously the Colts weren't using him that way. Hines could be Eckler like light, like Eckler light, as in kind of like an RB3, the James White role. But as I was saying, is I don't actually think when the draft rolls around that we're going to see Paris Campbell and Naheem Hines as the true answers to go back to the Edwards Hilaire, not Edwards Eclair. I think a player like that would be the potential Eckler for this team. And then if they draft the wide receiver, heck you can get somebody on day. I was about to say day two, you can get somebody on day three that could step in and give Paris Campbell and Zach Pascal competition for that number two role. So whoever wins that, whoever are Basically, the pass catching running back and the quote unquote number two on this team, seeing a lot of the middle of the field work. I think those two are the opportunities. As of right now, it's Campbell and Hines. Do you think that Frank Reich uh, ends up uh, ends up developing an offensive scheme around the strengths of Philip Rivers by even just going back into his old Chargers playbook and be like, "Hey, these are the strengths of Philip Rivers," and things like throwing to the running back as a primary part of that offense end up happening, or do you think that they keep? Along the similar lines of what we've seen the past few years, whether it be with Brissett or with Andrew Luck. I think it's a mix. I think it's basically Shanahan with the 49ers. You see a lot of Shanahan from before with like the Falcons and stuff like that, but also understand what you're working with now. The good thing is, as you just mentioned, we know what Rivers is and maybe similar to Tom Brady, he doesn't have the arm he did years ago, which was never his biggest strength anyway. Like it wasn't, he was like dropping bombs down the field, 50 yards and on point every single time. He has a nice arm and he hasn't declined. I would say he's even declined a little bit less than Tom Brady, but that arm is still appealing for that play. That's the T.Y. Hilton side of it. But it's also what he's been able to do over the middle of the field with the Hunter Henry is this Antonio Gates for years on end. So I think you're going to get a mix of knowing what Rivers does, having known Philip Rivers, but also you're not going to completely 100% flip this playbook. Like put it this way, it's not going to be similar to the Ravens going from Joe Flacco and whoever else to uh, basically, let's say Lamar Jackson and say, hey, run this playbook because you don't work in that playbook. So I don't think it's going to be that far. I think it's going to be a combination kind of like what Shanahan did. So you would say Hines up, but does that make him like his the, the natural comparison is going to be Austin Eckler. So James uh, White, James White, Austin Eckler, like that role where they were top twenty or potentially higher, uh, depending on the game. PPR running backs. I don't think that Hines ends up getting to that height because I do think that whether it be Marlon Mack or someone that they draft, that back will still have the lead role. 
and it will take away a bit too much from what Hines' actual upside and consistency might be on a week-to-week basis. Like, it's great if you can pencil in a running back for three catches and 26 yards every single week with upside, but if that's all they get for that week, that's really not doing you any good. Right, so and that's what I was saying, not quite James White. I would have him as RB3. I've always had James White as a low-end RB2, even though he finishes higher because it's that week-to-week. I don't want, even Austin Eckler, I don't want somebody that could potentially, because there's very little value in the running game, get left out, like you just mentioned, that three for 26. Okay, in a full PPR, it's not terrible, but I don't want that as my RB2. I would want that as my RB3. Obviously, Eckler's better than that. But that's why I brought up James White, is because James White, I've always treated even in full PPR as an RB3, just because you can't bank on him every single week, depending on what the game script might be, depending on what happens, uh, depending on like if somebody's under, you know, in, in, in a groove like Sonny Michelle and he doesn't even get to see his touches. So I think that's where Naheem Hines or Blank, whoever the running back might be, falls into RB3, half and full point PPR. They could easily finish as an RB2, but I don't want to pay that to get them. Do you think Zach Pascal ends up being the number two? Because I kind of do. Uh, for right now, under Rivers, I would say, again, if this roster is as as it is right now, I would actually say it's Paris Campbell. And I like Pascal, not just because he's from ODU. Okay. Next one. He's from ODU? Yeah. I didn't realize that Zach he's, Pascal, another French man, is a mighty monarch. That's that's good. Yeah, to know. we've only got we've only got like three or four in the actually no three because Heineke is over in the XFL. Although he can come back now, uh, it's Pascal, it's Travis Fulgham, who I think got into the game twice for the Lions, and then you have Oshuna Sosasuwashiwai, whatever his name is for the Giants, the defensive lineman. Yeah, do you think that any of the XFL guys will come over and actually make an impact in the NFL? uh impact uh, what how that's a v- impacts a very vague well, word like, I, I will say is there a tommy maddox from this iteration of the xfl who's going to come over to the nfl and be like capable mm, i think you have probably about two or three guys that could be capable i think the biggest one the most intriguing one is obviously walker i need to go back to emory hunt scout du jour or actually i would say of his life i still think he's the best one out there uh, not just of the day. So uh, super the day. I think I'll have that. Uh, like for Walker, I think he could, I think he should be, I think he should be on somebody's team as the backup quarterback. Yeah, at least, especially if like you, that, that was the interesting thing. Like if you give up caps, but if you give up a pick for Foles and you, know, you inherit some of his salary, wouldn't you just be better off going to get Walker if that's what you wanted to do and just make him the backup? Like, hey, if Trubisky doesn't work out, we're rolling the dice. Like, where's, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I know, I know Foles just won a Super Bowl, so it's really weird to say that. But with that team in particular, how they're structured, I think Walker might actually be a better fit. Yeah, oh, I'm with you. And also, just not even just that team, but like, why are we going to keep doing the Case Keenums and the Colt McCoy retreads? Why not just go try PJ Walker and see what happens? Case Keenum is kind of the first iteration of this guy because no one ever thought that Case Keenum was going to work out whatsoever. Like he was the gaudy, he's like the gaudy college stack guy. It's just like, oh, well, yeah, he's not going to be any good in the NFL. Like he's had a pretty decent NFL career. Yeah, but he's just been hanging around and like for you, just go away, Case Keenum. Stop. Yeah, give, but now, give it somebody with some upside. Now, now he's integrated into the Brown system. He knows the system, a system that he did very well in. So if they have to pull the plug on Baker or Baker gets hurt, I mean, it's an easy fit for him to step in. Who? Uh, and then who's the other? Oh, Josh McCown, too. Josh McCown should just go go into coaching. Stop. He wants to go into coaching. Thing. They keep bringing him back in. <laughs> just when he thinks he's out? Yeah. <laughs> just every year it pops up. It's like, oh, God, we need Josh McCown. Someone get Josh McCown's number. He needs to play for every team in the league at some point. 
I think that's, I think that's well, like, let's talk NFL sense because I know somebody's going to jump into the comments and say like, this is why like for the NFL sense of it, Josh McCown has played under so many systems. This is why he would be such a good coach. He's played under so many systems and understands the position so well that you can just bring him on on a Tuesday and have him start next week. Walker, you probably want with the team before you just throw it. Like you wouldn't be able to pick up Walker off the street and say, Hey, come start for us on Sunday. Theodore throws a belt. Teddy Bridgewater signs in Carolina. <laughs> I still laugh. I knew where you were going and I still laughed. Theodore Throsvelt. It's one of my favorite graphics of all time. We might have to bring that one back at some point uh, when I start doing graphics again, once we have a uh, return to normalcy, once we start running full productions again. But I'm really intrigued to see how this goes in Carolina because you can think of it one of two ways. Like I was, I'm thinking about a non-cam world to begin with. So the Kyle Allen world, DJ Moore was quite good. Curtis Samuel had his moments. Now, Greg Olson is gone. Ian Thomas is there. Who the who was they just signed someone else too? Uh, Set the valve ends up in Carolina now as well. But it's McCaffrey that matters the most. I would say McCaffrey and DJ Moore are the two most ongoing concerns to fantasy owners, along with Curtis Samuel on more of a lower end. Like it really did seem like DJ Moore was having a breakthrough, and he did have a breakthrough. Is he going to be able to maintain that with Teddy Bridgewater? Because I think he'll only get better in this system and with McCaffrey it feels like nothing will change in fact he might it's hard to say that he'll be better because he had such a better year but it's not like they brought in a quarterback who's not going to constantly dump the ball off to him or rely on them heavily so unless he gets hurt I see more of the same from McCaffrey as well yeah so uh, I, I want to throw out a number for you real quick see if you saw it anywhere let me scroll back to it I just like, right while, while you're scrolling the point I want to make is like instead of getting Teddy Bridgewater let's say Carolina had gotten Jameis I feel like that would have impacted Christian McCaffrey a lot because Jameis isn't a big dump yes. off guy yes do you know so do you know if last year do you know what Bridgewater's a dot was uh, I haven't seen it. I'm going to try to guess. A lot of throwing okay. to Kamara, a lot of dump-offs, a lot of short like hitches to Michael Thomas and Ginn. I'm going to say... It was league low. I don't even know what the, like, the average. I'm going to say 4.7. <laughs> oh, you're actually... That was very close to his air yards per completion. It was 4.8. His A dot was 6.1. So both abysmal. Uh, so bring that a, up. A, just a, because... a, a dot, by the way, for people that don't know, is average depth oh, yes. of target. Yes. So for the people that did ask, you know, Drew Brees was not well ahead, but significantly ahead of that it, to point say like, well, is it just the offense? And it wasn't just the offense. This is who Teddy Bridgewater has always been. So the problem I have with Teddy Bridgewater is I'm actually going to be off of DJ Moore and on Curtis Samuel. And I know like here's the initial pushback because it was even in my comments and the comments are, well, every, the talk was Curtis Samuel last year was so inconsistent and thrown you know, off target so many times that he had a lot of left open air yards downfield, deep ball targets and stuff like that. Here's the difference. DJ Moore actually had 30 more deep ball targets than Curtis Samuel did. And he actually had more yards per route run. And he actually had more plays and explosive plays to 20 yards and plays downfield. DJ Moore did quite a lot last year. Curtis Samuel for yes, he did miss a lot of those big plays. He did lack connection with them, but Kyle Allen, was actually a better deep, well, not by much, but better throwing downfield than Teddy Bridgewater was. And Curtis Samuel works over the middle of the field more than people think. I actually think Curtis Samuel is going to see a slight uptick and DJ Moore either holds steady or actually takes a slight downturn. And I think a lot of people are going the opposite with it because they see all those advanced stat numbers. But if you also watch the games with Kyle Allen, you saw too, like Curtis Samuel had some opportunities. He was working more in that space and they were trying to get him some manufactured. Not DJ Moore can't work in that area too. 
But I bring all that up to say DJ Moore did a lot downfield that people don't realize. The assumption was it was the opposite, and Curtis Samuel's doing all this work downfield. DJ Moore's just all over the middle of the field. So I actually think Teddy Bridgewater with his accuracy, with his short yard work, I think helped Samuel and dings DJ Moore just a little bit, not significantly, but where he goes from potentially being a wide receiver one next year, I think he falls back staying in that, you know, that range of DJ Chark in that mid to upper wide receiver too. Uh, See, I I would throw him on that Hilton tier that we talked about a little bit earlier. I think this could actually, well, I put Hilton in that group too. I I think this works out actually, I wouldn't say better for DJ Moore, but I think you have to adjust schematically as well. Like if we talk about route running prowess between Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, like DJ Moore is an excellent route runner and he can generate a ton, just like Curtis Samuel of yards after the catch. So I don't know how Joe Brady is going to come in and structure this offense, but I can see you know how Michael Thomas is used in a weird way. I know DJ Moore is a kind of a weird comp for that, but it's not like he's no. I know what you're saying. Uh, he's not being utilized as like run run a nine route, Michael Thomas. We're going to bomb it to you. No, it's a lot of like 15 yard ins. I think that DJ Moore has the capable skill set because of his crisp route running and ability to just shake a defender. And with Teddy's accuracy that it only takes a small window for that to open so i think dj moore is going to be fine and we're still going to see the manufactured targets for curtis samuel like a lot of the greg olson routes don't necessarily just translate on to either thomas or devalve i think some of them do go to dj moore here yeah i could see that i think it's going to be a little bit more of curtis samuel so i think a lot of it as you just said it's going to be joe brady it's going to be you know rule running this offense it's going to be a lot of seeing what things are going to be like doesn't joe brady sound like a madden made up character by the way joe brady instead of tom brady like they just that random name generator but i'm saying for this look we're making all the best guesses we can this is what we do in fantasy this is what we do in real life football too when people analyze this team we're making our best assumption of how this team is going to run. We could be completely wrong. And like, this could turn into the Kansas city chiefs and it's Ian Thomas and Curtis Samuel all the time. Ian Thomas and DJ Moore and whoever the second wide receiver just doesn't even matter. Yeah. That, that could most definitely be the case. Like I would feel comfortable drafting DJ Moore and playing him every single week as it stands right now. I would not feel that way about Curtis Samuel. I completely agree with that. My problem, like I said, to go back to my entire point of this is I think the DJ Moore price for me is going to be too much. I think he's going to hang on to that fringe wide receiver one territory, which is actually higher than he finished last year. And I think a lot of people are going to pay that price. And I don't have a problem with it. It's just, as you mentioned, I think that tier is very big. I think as of today, it's going to be a large tier when you're talking about T.Y. Hilton and DJ Chark and everybody else. Allen Robinson was initially there, but I would jump him out of that tier now that he has a different quarterback in Nick Foles. But I think that's going to be a very big tier where I'm not going to pay that price because I'll just wait another round and get somebody else who's in that group. And then Curtis Samuel, I think, is going to be the value because I think a lot of people still aren't going to be on him. Okay. Next one. Nick Foles traded to the Chicago Bears. Do you anticipate Foles being the starter in week one? Because I think that the answer is probably around 50-50. He is there to push Trubisky because all things being equal, I think that they would like to continue to play Trubisky, and their hand is forced to the point where they know that that might not be the right option. But hopefully, I mean, this is because there's no OTAs, there's no training camp, his development where they need him to get to to actually utilize all of the talent on their team and really take advantage of that defense and his rookie contract at the moment could be out the window because they won't have that development time, which would actually lead me more towards Nick Foles being the favorite to start once the season comes along. But I think in best case scenario for them that they are starting Trubisky week one. 
So I'm going to say, and hey, I was wrong. I remind people, I was wrong on Brady. I would say 80-20. I think this is Foles' job now to lose. I know he's there to push him, but he comes from Nagy. He comes from Filippo. He's been with these coaches. He's been with this, this system that they want to run. And if you want to talk about things, well, they're not really tied to Trubisky. Yes, they're tied to him as an organization where they don't want him to fail because they look so stupid after trading up and spending so much they did to trade up. And oh, by the way, look at the quarterbacks that went after him. So there's a lot organizationally that makes them look stupid and they want to try and make this work. But Trubisky didn't just not improve last year. He took a step backwards, honestly. And to go back to a dot and looking at those all thick Foles, And so this is where I'm going to take it a little bit differently too. Is, and this is why when I said that what I did before about Bridgewater and all those other things that if you watched with Curtis Samuel, so Nick Foles and Trubisky are the perfect comparison of why you can't rely only on metrics, because I think anybody out there watching your show right now would say, if I watched Nick Foles last year, if I watched Trubisky, I know who the better quarterback was. It was Nick Foles. Well, they're a dots for their career and last year, almost identical. Their completion percentages for their career and last year, almost identical. They're not the same quarterback. Nick Foles is the better quarterback. Yes, Trubisky has a higher ceiling, but Nick Foles is a better quarterback. I think this is Nick Foles' job. And I think Nick Foles, if coming in, and Allen Robinson finishes a top 10 wide receiver last year with how bad Trubisky is, I think he sees that same volume. I think Allen Robinson is now cemented as a wide receiver one where we were having that conversation of he's like fringy. I think he's cemented in there, potentially with top five, six upside. But I think the biggest beneficiary here is Anthony Miller, who we finally saw at the end of the season starting to come through, starting to be the Anthony Miller that we wanted when he came out of college, starting to see him be healthy with that smoothness in his route running with Nick Foles at quarterback. I think Trubisky is still going to hurt Anthony Miller and everybody else except for Allen Robinson if he's at quarterback. So I think this is Nick Foles' job to lose despite what they're saying and don't want it to happen. I think this is Nick Foles' job. I think that's why they traded for him. How do you see the backfield shaking down then? So you still have Cohen, you still have the Montgomery flea market. Just as it was. As it always, I don't I actually don't think this is any effect on the backfield. I think the backfield stays how it is. Is David Montgomery? Uh, you know, look, I'm not trashing metrics as a whole. I use metrics. I, you know how to go for everybody out there. I go film. I use the metrics. I use the testing, the combine, all that type of stuff to check myself and say, hey, there's an outlier here that doesn't line up with what I saw. Let me go back and look. David Montgomery, I'm just using him again, not to trash the metrics, but he's the perfect example. Has some metrics, especially when you only take one, can get overrated. The most broken tackles in college. Well, you saw David Montgomery last year. David Montgomery's fine. Yeah, David Montgomery's better than Jordan Howard, but he's not worlds better than David. I think this backfield stays the same. Montgomery's the lead guy. Cohen's mixed into the passing game. Both are going to be up and down throughout the year. You want Montgomery's in RB2, and I would even say once the draft is done, probably a low-end RB2. Okay. That's interesting. How does uh, Jimmy Graham fit into this mix? <laughs> I don't care about Jimmy Graham. <laughs> you want to talk about losing all of his steps and athleticism at the end of his career? Jimmy Graham, let's see. Yeah, he, he fell off the cliff and hit a whole bunch of rocks on the way down. Marcus Mariota signs with the Raiders. A lot like how I think that Nick Foles is there to be competition for Mitch Trubisky in Chicago and might end up being the starter. I don't, I think it's a bit more leaning towards Derek Carr remaining the starter for the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> but there's a reason that Marcus Mariota is there. It's not like when we first did like the initial thought about this it was my take that it seems kind of strange to bring in Mariota as a backup for Derek Carr if his role is only to be the backup because 
I, I always just find it really it was like Tyrod backing up Rivers last year. Like, why do you have two diametrically opposed skill sets on the same team? Like, if one guy goes down, like, does your offense even work with this guy? And like, maybe no offense works with Marcus Mariota. Maybe that's what we're all finding out. But it seems like if you're going to get him, they still do believe in his talent that maybe he can be their starter at some point. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he ends up starting for the Raiders. Maybe it's week two. I don't but- think. It- I mean, I, I think if, if you here's another one. If you look back at Derek Carr's metrics, Derek Carr's numbers last year were better than people realize. Uh, Derek Carr watching him play is another example of, you know what? You watch him and yeah, he's better than average, but he's good. It's, like he's, it's, he's, he's all right. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, the metrics actually suggest he's better than all right. So looking at this, I'm with you. This, you know, it's not quite as bad, but it goes back to almost Lamar Jackson. And you saw what happened when they, you know, Lamar Jackson, they slimmed down. They didn't change the playbook until the second year, but they slimmed down the playbook when he came in because there's certain kind of offensive plays you want with him and certain ones you don't. And in the middle of the season, you're not going to throw the entire playbook out the window. So this one to me, like you said, it's a little bit surprising. On the other side, it's a little less surprising because we don't know what Mayock thought of him coming out of college. Mayock loved the guy. So you have that going here where this is more concerning than Nick Foles is for me. I know Nick Foles is coming in, and I said he's going to be the starter. This one, like even though I said 80-20 that route, like I think this one's more 50-50 than the Bears situation. Even if I do think Derek Carr should and will be under center, it wouldn't shock me if they went to Mariota. Only because, again – this is an organization front office that loved Mariota. And if you're going to have thoughts about him starting to your point is a really good point. It's not going to be the same playbook as Derek Carr. So I, I, this one's going to be interesting to watch. We'll put it that way. I, it wouldn't surprise me if either one of them are under center in week one. Now, the fantasy players that we're concerned about with the Raiders, it's really only two. And then you have the rest of the guys. Like we're concerned about Josh Jacobs. We're concerned about Darren Waller. I think both of those guys are probably equal no matter who ends up starting here they're both going to get their numbers they're both going to get their touches Jalen Richard Rocket Richard re-signing with the Raiders is going to cap the amount of targets that is going to go to Josh Jacobs I think he'll improve in that area just because he's going to be on the field so much but Richard is there for a very specific purpose uh, to be the receiving back he's going to play special teams he's a speed guy out of the backfield just to give you a change of pace that's not going anywhere uh, Dwayne Washington being gone DeAndre Washington sorry being gone that actually I do think helps out Josh Jacobs a lot so I wouldn't be concerned about those two but if we start getting into Tyrell the gazelle Williams Hunter Renfro Zay Jones like the receiving core is not great you've expected them to add someone probably through the draft they do seem yes. like a very likely candidate but as it stands right now like, where does Tyrell Williams go? Like, for a while, he was catching a touchdown every single game. I think that he would be hurt if Carr was not the starter and Mariota was the starter. No, I think he would be. I think the entire passing game would take a hit unless they figured out Mariota. They figured out how to get something out of him, work to his strengths, and, you know, maybe there's just the Tennessee organization was doing it wrong this entire time. Like, But otherwise, on paper, as we look at things, I think the entire passing game would take a hit, especially the downfield area. Uh, you know, you might see with Mariota some uptick for Darren Waller, but I don't think Darren Waller has much more to go in this offense. I he, Look, everybody loves Darren Waller at this point, but I don't think he's going to turn into Kelsey or Kittle. I think he's kind of just that step behind, which is fine. He could be there with Ertz and all that type of stuff, but you know, maybe a slight uptick for him if it's Mariota, but I think it'll be interesting. Like you said, out of the backfield, but you know what? We don't need Jacobs to have 80 targets. He can no, get 50 but or yeah, 60. Yeah. If he could get to 50, he'd be an RB one, potentially a top five guy. 
I was gonna say potentially top five. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is the passing game is they are adding something like this is another one I would put money on. They're going to add a wide receiver, maybe not day one, but day two and second, third round. There's going to be somebody on this team and there's going to be somebody on the team that probably comes in and is the number one option. Uh, the biggest thing that you have here is the Nelson Aguilar signing. Does that hurt Renfro? Yeah, yeah, probably. But I mean, until Aguilar gets benched or hurt in week two or three, it's not going to be long. So get Renfro for free at the end of the drafts because the good thing about Renfro is whether it's Carr or Mariota, his value should hold. Yeah, I would think so too. Did you know there's a Hunter Renfro in another sport, potentially baseball? Yeah. I found that out yeah. yesterday doing the draft. I was I, like, I'll, Hunter I'll, Renfro I'll, still available? It's like, no, wrong outfield. Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Outfielder used to be on the Padres, now on the Rays. It's R-O-E instead of R-O-W. See? This is why this is why Meanie and I are a team. He can handle the baseball side of things where I'm just like, yeah, take whoever you want, man. I don't have a fucking And NBA. Or wait, do you do NBA? I I mean, I don't cover NBA, but I'm fluent enough in fantasy NBA just by playing and following along is I have my takes on fantasy NBA. They're not for the show. They're for my money leagues and that kind of thing. (laughs) There's enough people doing NBA. I don't got the time. Uh, So the rest of the quarterbacks who sign, not in new places, obviously, but I'm just going to run through the list here just so people know in case they missed whatever happened. Dak Prescott franchised by the Dallas Cowboys. He'll be back. Ryan Tannehill signed a four-year, $118 million deal back with the Tennessee Titans. Drew Brees is back in New Orleans, two years, $50 million. We have Case Keenum, who we mentioned, ended up signing. That is a new team. He ended up signing with the Cleveland Browns. He's back with Stefanski on a three-year, $18 million deal. Good backup deal. like that. I, that's a pretty solid backup to have, don't you think? <laughs> I think so, too. The, the, the clear, clear answer here is, as we've always said, become a backup quarterback, but also make friends with a coach that likes you. So he just takes you everywhere. Yeah, so A.J. McCarron is back in Houston on a one-year deal as the backup. Jeff Driscoll actually signed in Denver. I actually missed that one. That, that actually I didn't know made, McCarron was still back. McCarron's back, but Jeff Driscoll, Driscoli, our guy in Daily Fantasy on DraftKings last year, like the mid-price, yeah. he was great. I actually, like, he seems like the minor league version of what you hope Drew Locke is going to be. Like, if... <laughs> If he ends up assuming because of an injury, he ends up becoming the starter. Like what you do in your offense doesn't really change. No, it doesn't. Well, but I think Drew Locke is better. I, 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 I think I, that's what I'm saying. Like Driscoll is like the minor league version of what Drew Locke is. But the Drew Locke skill set, I think, is the better version of the Jeff Driscoll skill set. But if someone wants okay, to get hurt, okay. it's not like you're bringing in like Drew Bledsoe circa 1999. I mean, that would be an upgrade. So let's say Drew Bledsoe circa 2007, where he's like the statue standing there. Like that's not the <laughs> offense you were running. So this guy makes a lot of sense. Why don't you? You should have just taken a shot at Cust when you could. You could say like Vinny Testaverde or something like that. I mean, that's what that's you like. That's like the the premier player in the history of the Jets franchise. That's <laughs> no, just somebody that's not moving a whole lot. But yeah, look, the the appeal with Jeff Driscoll for fantasy purposes is that he was going to take he, what we call him poor man's Josh Allen last year. I mean, that was the appeal. Yeah, he just kept running. It was fantastic. Yeah, so I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, Chase Daniel signed in Detroit to replace Jeff Driscoll as the backup. Three here, thirteen million dollar contract. Very familiar with that division. Chad, I told Henney, you, Chad, yeah, Chad Henney resigned with the Kansas City Chiefs, and Sean Mannon signed a one year deal to remain the backup to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins also signed an extension with the Minnesota Vikings. Any thoughts on those fantasy wise? It doesn't seem like anything's no. really going to change. You missed change. one. You missed one. Colt McCoy with the Giants to back up Daniel Jones. There we go. Nate Sudfeld, too, back, continuing to back up. He's back from injury. He'll back up Carson Wentz. 
<laughs> I just how is Sudfeld still around? That's the one I don't get. There's not. There is a dearth. all these. Well, hold there on. is like, a dearth of quarterback talent, Jake. Exactly. To go back to what we said before, listen to all the names you just rattled off and tell me 80, 90 percent of those shouldn't be replaced by P.J. Walker. I agree. I can wholeheartedly agree. And I think the XFL kind of showed what his upside could be. I, I think this is going to turn into a pretty good market for him as a backup. I just hope he goes to a spot where he can challenge to actually play. Then we can see how good he is. Hey, go to Denver. Drew Locke's not a guarantee. Yeah, this is true. I mean, but then he has to be to Driscoli. <laughs> I think that one would be easy. <laughs> uh, tight ends. Uh, we're going to cover wide receivers and running backs on part two of this show, which comes out tomorrow. But just tight end moves in general. Uh, the uh, We talked about Jimmy Graham to start off with. You have no interest. He has a no trade clause in his contract, by the way, with the Bears, which is mind boggling. No, I, I, look, you could throw that in there. I think that was just kind of like, hey, we'll give it to him, even though we know nobody would trade for him anyway. That's why. Okay, I mean, that does make a lot of sense. One I'm really intrigued by. Let's start with Austin Hooper signing the biggest deal for a tight end, now going to Cleveland and becoming a part of that offense. We've seen Kyle Rudolph do well in the Stefanski offense, especially inside the red zone. This is a bigger target. David Njoku is still on the roster at this point. They did get rid of Seth DeValve, but how does he fit in, and does he have a shot at replicating what he did in atlanta last season being like a top five type of tight end i just i think that he's closer to the back of the pack now than the very top of the pack when i say back of the pack i think he's in the mix with he's closer to gesicki and noah fant and hawkinson and that type of player because i think that they're all pretty good but i'd say that he's closer although he might be ranked like tight end six kind of thing that he's closer to the tight end 12 than he is tight like end the two. quarterbacks yeah right Okay. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. And I agree with you as things stand for today. So when you said your chance of last year, I put it at nil. People forget he was tight end one before he got hurt. So I don't think that's happening unless they get rid of Njoku. As of right now, seems like it might be tough. Maybe it's a draft day trade. Maybe something like they move up from the third to the second round and then swap, a, give him a third rounder and give him Njoku on top of it. Maybe something like that surprises us. But it wouldn't surprise me anyway if he stays on this team because, as you mentioned before, with Stefanski, and a lot of people know this, he does run two tight ends. And if he's running two tight ends, Hooper would be the one running routes, you would assume. You don't give this kind of money and then ask him to stand around and block. Not that Njoku is a great blocker. So that's where that's the part that where I'm kind of confused and why I do kind of lean that Njoku would be on a new team because if you're going to run two tight ends, it would make more sense to – I know he's on a different team now, but to have a brought back like a DeValve and something like that. So all that being said – I'm with you on Hooper as of today. I'm with you on Hooper is not in that top tier, probably not even that tier two with the Waller and the Ertz of the world. But in that next group, yeah, and that next group isn't too far off from the fringy tight end ones just because there's a lot to go here. Now, the opportunity is there. Uh, we mentioned on the first show that we did, and I'll bring it up the tweet that I gave too, is last year the Browns tight ends court accounted for 21.7% of the targets. That was the mix of Ricky Seals-Jones, and all the other nonsense they had going on at tight end with Njoku. I think he only had like one or two games even out there on the field. And what Hooper had when he played with Ryan was 19.8% of the targets there. Ryan and Mayfield both had similar yards per attempt. So if you're looking at it, the opportunity should be pretty similar. You know, again, if Njoku is still there, it's probably not going to be 19.8%, but with 20, almost 22% of it out there, maybe it's 17%. So that's why I paint all that picture to say I agree with you. If Njoku's gone, I would put him in a top five discussion. I would put him there with Waller and Ertz. 
I think I'd still rather have Waller regardless. I, th- I just think there's a s- Hooper. I had, would, but I would put him in that group. I think I'd put him in the tier behind that, even if Njoku was gone. Okay, I wouldn't. I'd put him in that tier. I would rather, I would probably go Waller, Ertz, Hooper, but he would be there in that tier. I wanted to let you know about the discussion that we had about DJ Moore. I was trying to find where he went in that draft that I did on Saturday. And again, this is three sports combined into one, but just receivers in a similar area going off the board. Julio went at the back end of the fourth round. Uh, That was one pick after Jimmy Butler, and the pick after was Nolan Arenado, for people who want to know. You can go on my Twitter, you can see the entire results of this. But it went Julio, and this is just receivers. Julio, Mike Evans, Odell, DJ Moore, Juju, Amari Cooper. That was the tier that DJ Moore was in. Yeah, that's too much for me. Next tier. I think he's in that tier. I got T.Y. Hilton 10 rounds later. <laughs> and I would do that a thousand times at a thousand. It, it's weird in this like in this type of draft, only because like if you see well, a receiver. Well, I was thinking four rounds, three yeah, rounds. I mean, that was over the, the, the other sports. That was over the course of three rounds in this type of draft. Like you know, around D.J. Moore, Tobias Harris went one pick before Starling Marte went one pick after so well who did hilton go around hilton went around let me try to find ty now highlight pat's team here where the hell is ty hilton uh let's see ty hilton actually went one pick after carry on johnson in round 13 of this draft but other receivers that went around him it was a wide receiver low i think that's how we were able to kind of sneak him in that you know once you see receivers starting to go the entire draft reacts and then receivers start coming off the board i'm trying to find the one receiver who went before him in this draft. And Jarvis Landry went before him. Robert Woods went before him. Uh, Zach Ertz went before two. him. I would have T.Y. way ahead of those guys. I think people forgot yeah. about him, to tell you the truth. And that and Keenan, right. a- Keenan Allen was the next closest one. Him and Adam Thielen were kind of like in the same little spot. I like, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to the receivers, but Diggs being gone, like you got to like Thielen a lot now. Oh, you definitely do it. I would take Thielen over everybody, go back up. To, I would take him over DJ Moore. I would take him over Amari Cooper because, you know, I we we never draft Amari Cooper. I probably, you know what? I'm not going to say probably. I would take him over Juju and the question marks around that offense and Ben Roethlisberger and if Juju, we still don't have the answer of Juju can handle double coverage every single week being the number one. I would take Adam Thielen over all those guys. We have Adam Thielen proof, positive, that Adam Thielen can finish inside the top, what, six or seven? And that was with other options in this offense. And now Diggs is gone. Yes, they're going to add somebody in the draft, but I would take Thielen over all those. That, that's a supreme value right there, and I'm sure that would change. But to go back to it, that point being, everybody you've mentioned so far, I would still put in the same tier. I think all these wide receivers des- deserve to be in the same group, and that's why I wouldn't take DJ Moore. Well, it'll be interesting uh, to see how this ends up shaking out per average draft position. I know people don't like to use average draft position, but I think it gives you a good barometer of where these guys are going. And then if these guys, if if we just listed off like nine names and they're all a part of the same tier, you can go attack running back and know that, hey, in rounds like three and four, if that's how it shakes out, I can go get my back end wide receiver twos. I get two quality wide receiver twos, like wide receiver 13 and 14 overall. And I'm not feeling too bad about my situation because I've really built everything up to begin with. Uh, so for a bit more context on this, and we'll, we should probably save this for the wide receiver show, but hey, free-flowing yes. conversation, Jake. We're getting into it. So I take <laughs> Hilton. The next receiver to go after him is Scary Terry. He's up there. Scoring McLaurin. He was next. And then... <laughs> I, D- I actually love that. There's nobody... That, I'll save it for the show. 
Yeah, well, it's it went Hilton, then McLaurin, then DJ Chark, and then I took AJ Green. I was just like, screw it. He's going to be back. I think that he's healthy. I'll gamble. Mm, we'll talk about it on the wide receiver show. All right. Let's get back to tight ends then. Hayden Hurst yeah. gets traded to Atlanta to take over that Austin Hooper role. And we'll talk about Gurley when we talk about the running backs, who I actually ended up with in that draft as well because I like Gurley a lot this year. I'll save it, though. Like I said, Hurst, I think, could be very close to Cooper or uh, to Hooper when Hooper. it comes down to actual overall tight end scoring this year. And you'll probably end up getting him, and at least if you were to do a draft today, 10 rounds later, we fast-forward four months and there's real football and real fantasy drafts on the go. I think they're going to be pretty close when it comes down to it. Yeah, so I agree with you. As long as Njoku's there in the Browns, I think they, you know what? If Njoku's there on the Browns, I might even take Hurst over Hooper. Here's the thing. Last year, Hooper, very limited opportunities, but out of his 40 targets, you might have seen it already. Do you know how many he caught? Zero? (laughs) Yeah, he didn't catch a single one of his 40 targets. (laughs) They all all just landed somewhere out, and they're like, Mark Mark Rippon was throwing him all his targets. Uh, No, he actually caught 30 for everybody that wants to complain about Lamar Jackson in this offense. He caught 30 of them, highly efficient, 30 of his targets for 349 yards and two touchdowns. And I tell what, what do we preach all the time? I don't want to say I'm the only one that preaches it, but don't extrapolate stats. I say that because I'm about to, even if you doubled those numbers, well, because I'm saying like, let's say you doubled his numbers to 60 and then 704. He's now last year, tight end eight or nine, depending on the league you play in. That's only on 80 targets. So that's why I say double his numbers, but the target shouldn't just be 80. They should be more like 90, potentially even a hundred. So I say, you can double his numbers, which is extrapolating, but you're doubling his numbers because I think less efficiency, more targets. That's a reasonable range to get into for him being 60, 70, and five, or 60, 705, which again puts him at like tight end or nine. I think that you just wait, don't pay for Hooper, wait and get Hurst, and they could finish back to back next year. I, I'm really curious to see where this mid tier of tight end goes this season because we saw last year it was the big three. You had Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz. Then there was a drop off, and there was this tier in the middle where everyone was getting OJ Howard because he was going to break out. That was guaranteed. We all remember that. Uh, worked out too for everyone that drafted OJ Howard. Remember that this time around. But there was that like pick 60 to 70 where there was like three or four tight ends going. And then everyone who basically just waited. You're forgetting two of them. I, I, I the barely played Ingram and Njoku were there too. Those were the two guys that tier did not work out. That's usually the bust tier every single year, just because you're going to get one guy that performs pretty well, but like the other two or three guys that they're in that tier with just don't perform at all. And it's hard to rank people that way. Like when you think about rankings and this is why tiered rankings are always a little bit better, but if you have those three guys, once one of the next, so you have the tier of three guys everyone likes. Once you get past that tier, where the next four tight ends go, if people see like, oh, in the rankings are four, five, six, and seven, but if they don't realize that four is closer to 12 than three, then it becomes a bit of a debacle. Like anyone who just waited till the end and got Andrews or Waller or whoever it ended up being, even Jack Doyle for a while ended up, when he was healthy, ended up being a pretty solid option that that was the move that you wanted to make. And that's the move you're going to want to make again with everyone so clustered yeah. together. But I only say that because like Greg Olson just goes to Seattle. Like, what do you see his role being yeah. there? Like we're going to have Hollister back. And uh, who was the other asshole that we Will liked? Disley. Oh, Walt Disley. Yeah. Walt Disley. Yeah. So, well, you didn't throw out, you didn't throw out the Hayden Hurst Hemsley either. You missed that one too. You missed that joke. H, so. yeah. yeah. There you go. 
Uh, so, by the way, I don't get to go to WrestleMania. Boo. I was going with De- D'Angelo Williams. That sucks. I don't even get to go. Freaking stay in your houses. Get rid of this coronavirus. I saw the best thing ever, by the way, is somebody tweeted that out. It says, I feel like I'm in kindergarten. One or two kids keeps losing recess time for the rest of the class because they won't stop. But anyway, uh, with this, it, it's a good comparison, isn't it? So with this, look, I, I'm with you. I think this tier is going to include Hawkinson and Fant, which you mentioned before. Uh, Gasicki in his what third year now if i'm not mistaken so yeah, like all year. these second third year guys potential breakouts especially with the fan hawkinson with how good they could be and a couple of their names grouped into this it's just going to be i mean like you're going to have a very large wide receiver tier we talked about before a very large quarterback one and i think this is the very large tight end one where if Njoku is still there i drop hooper like you said into this tier they hooper fan hawkinson you know hurst all these guys uh, but this is where I'm going to be wanting to hit because if Hooper's good, it's funny, depending on the price, if Njoku's gone, that tier that you're talking about is going to be what Ertz, Hooper, and maybe I'm trying Henry. to think. It's got to be like, yeah, Henry, Henry there's Hen- a good one. Henry Just and avoid Walt. that tier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other one, yeah, well, with Greg Olson, I just don't think that he's draftable. I don't think so either. Like you mentioned, uh, Walt Disley did really good for the time. Yeah, there's a, Walt Disley. Will he, Disley. A, yeah, well, it is Will Disley. We're going to call him Walt Disley on the show. Inventor of yeah, Mickey so, Mouse. But either way, I, like, that's my there, biggest thing is there's too much competition to use. Yeah, yeah. And Greg Olson at this point, he should just he did better in the booth, a hell of a lot better than Jason Witten did. So he should just stay in the booth. Yeah, but he's getting seven million dollars to stand around for the Seahawks. Like he's not getting seven million dollars to be an NFL broadcaster. Why not do this? I mean, he's gonna get hit a lot when he's not just standing around. He would have got what two million to stand around in the booth. I'd take two million to stand around in the booth. Not when he can get seven million. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he's got enough at this point. Yeah, that's not how it works, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Barkley let one go. Oh, your Woo! dog your dog's farting in the background? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. All right, let's roll through the rest of these. Blake Jarwin re-ups with the Cowboys. Do you think that he is in that Fant Gasicki tier or is he the tier like non-draftable behind it? Maybe in a dynasty format or something like that. As of today, uh, I would put him at the back. Uh, I put him at the back end of that tier as of today, if this holds. Uh, the fact that they didn't get Cobb back, the fact that they didn't sign Sanders, as of right now, yes. Uh, the thing that I mentioned to you before, and I still hold this being true, still McCarthy offense. It's still an offense that McCarthy just barely uses the tight end, similar to like Arians of like, well, where's the use going to come? Even though McCarthy will use them more consistently. If they don't add a significant third option, that slot kind of guy out of the draft, and I'm not saying that somebody coming out of the draft necessarily, you know, if they wait till day three, it's not even if it's a slot option, it's not going to be talented enough to be out there day one and be the go-to number three option. I'm saying the Cobb not going there, the Sanders not being there, that looks good right now. That really looks good for Jarwin. Uh, I think this is going to be a case where he can be at the back end of that tier uh, unless they shock us somehow. Uh, I do think they're going to try and fill that role. But, you know, the, what I say for McCarthy is kind of like similar to what Jared Goff does with his offense. It's very funneled to those top three options. You just don't want that fourth mixed in there because that fourth usually hurts the tight end. Hunter Henry, as I mentioned, was franchised by the Los Angeles Chargers. He is going to be the number two or three option in the receiving game. Unless Eckler is really used, but it's tough to know what his potential upside is. Like, I don't think it's super high with Tyrod, to tell you the truth. Even like someone like Eckler that we talked about, if it's Tyrod who's actually the quarterback, Tyrod isn't a huge fan of dumping the ball off. He's just going to run instead of doing the quick blood dumps like Phillip Rivers used to do. So that would actually hurt his fantasy value. Just Tyrod being like good but not great, I think hurts Henry's fantasy value. Also, his injury history hurts 
Hunter Henry's fantasy value. All things being like perfect, Hunter Henry is amazing. All things being in reality, he's on that Hooper tier, and he's probably someone people will talk to. Evan Ingram, too. Evan Ingram, yeah. like They're they're the potential tier. I mean, Hooper is a guy who kind of came from nowhere to vault himself up because of results. Now he is in that tier, but the Ingram and Hunter Henry-like combination is the all-potential team that never comes through on it. No, it doesn't. And yes, Tyrod Taylor actually being the quarterback pretty much hurts everybody. He's just not, he's not throwing for 4,000 yards. He's not throwing for 30, 35 touchdowns. It's just not who Tyrod is. Tyrod fancy wise is great because he's going to average 15 points and hit 15 points every single game because of the rushing upside. When you get like, you know, now at this point of his career, you know, Josh Allen's more appealing, but it's a similar, you know, comparison wise when you talk about passing versus rushing all type of stuff. So you hear it to everybody. If you're hurting everybody and now you're not throwing for 30 touchdowns, well, Henry and Mike Williams, their value lies a lot in the touchdown. And now, as you mentioned, with Eckler with the dump offs in the backfield, not saying Eckler becomes a terrible draft pick and Henry becomes a terrible draft pick. Mike Williams, they're not all going to become terrible draft picks. You just have to downtick everybody. And I think the biggest factor are those three. I think Keenan Allen hits the least. I think he takes a down tick, not much, but he gets hit the least. I think all three of those significantly move down, probably almost a tier each with Tyrod's the quarterback for all 16 games. Eric Ebron signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would mm. guess this is an upgrade over Vance McDonald, although they're both still there, so we'll see how that goes. I would say that the touchdowns would likely funnel towards Ebron in this situation since yes. they so rarely ever ask him to block because he cannot block. Do you think he's – does he have any fantasy – he does have fantasy viability, but in terms of like a 12-team like – we're structuring everything around a 12-team redraft here. I think I'd rather take a shot on one of the young guys. Oh, I definitely would actually. I'm so glad you said it. I said, I would put him behind the second year tight ends. Quote, this is what I'm quoting straight from it. Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson. Plus, oh, that was the one I was trying to think of before that should be on the tier with the with the uh, Waller and everything. It's TJ, or TJ, Tyler Higby at the end of the season. I would take Tyler Higby. I would take Mike Kosicki. I would take all of them before Eric Ebron because the biggest thing is, yes, Vance McDonald is going to be on the field involved for however many games that last while he's healthy. I don't want to joke a guy about his injury history, but we just kind of did about Hunter Henry. They're not, that's why they're injury prone. There's a difference between injury plagued, you know, Giancarlo Stanton in baseball, like breaking his wrist and getting hit in the face with a baseball. Those are freak injuries. These guys are injury prone. It's very likely Vance McDonald is going to miss time. And that time, Eric Ebron is probably locked in as a tight end, their top 10 tight end. But as of right now, he's going to be sharing some snaps with Vance McDonald. Uh, Jason Witten goes to the Raiders I for don't what, care. whatever reason. No, I only care in the fact that does he get playing time? And I, I guess they were able to use the island of Foster Moreau along with Darren Waller last year. But just adding another tight end to that mix, do you think that hurts Waller's target share? I, th- I say no. No, I don't. I think Waller is very much in the not Kelsey as in that's his like fan like that's not the line he's going to be put up but similar to the kelsey and or even Ertz, as in those are the two kittle even the, he's their number one option right now yeah okay so i guess you could say in kansas city it depends game to game kelsey's always going to eat his the rest of the tight ends who signed darren fells is back in houston this year on a two-year seven million dollar deal nick vanette has moved to the denver broncos on a two-year deal the best of man vanette <laughs> there who just enjoy some antiperspirant uh, vernon davis retired set the valve as i mentioned before signs a one-year deal in carolina do you think that hurts ian thomas no i really don't i think that's just potentially if ian thomas doesn't take a step forward but i think we all assume he's going to uh your boy rhett ellison retired for the giants and they went out and signed levine toilolo 
Mercedes Lewis re-signed with Green Bay on a one-year deal. Jimmy Graham is gone. Does that make him like the only buy? I know they have like four of them, but I would guess if nothing else changes, and I would probably expect something to change, maybe Delaney Walker in Green Bay because he's still out there as we speak. Oh, yeah. But, but you now, remember when Mercedes Lewis was good? No. 10 years like ago for, <laughs> for that very 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 short stretch of time with the jaguars now yeah he, he, he wasn't even really that good he has had a ton of touchdowns oh no they, they still have um they have sternberger that's who i would care about okay uh logan thomas signs a one-year deal with the skins demetrius harris is in chicago why did chicago sign all these tight ends exactly uh i think think there's like a i don't know a sale i don't know they have seven tight ends now look this, trey burton's still hey nick Foles, trey burton yeah, there's a connection there but trey burton i think that's the biggest thing is i don't know if they know he's going to stay on the field i think that's why and maybe demetrius harris being demetrius harris has a like little slight connection to this team too i don't i mean it doesn't make sense for how many tight ends they have but uh, i really don't understand i'm trying i'm trying to explain as you could tell yes yeah, so, yeah, former chief get him to go there all makes sense uh, and the irish assassin nick o'leary ends up signing with the Raiders as well. They have like 38 tight ends too, just like Chicago. Yeah, they're, they're pulling the Chicago Bears. It's like, hey, when we only have one or two wide receivers, let's just get 15 tight ends. That'll make up for it. Okay, coming up on the next episode of The Pat Mayo Experience, running backs, wide receivers with the Athletics Jake Seeley, who you can follow on Twitter and Instagram at AllInKid. He mentioned 90-day free trial at The Athletic, so go check out his free agent article right now if you ever want to see behind the paywall at The Athletic for me, the PME, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars, smash the like button to the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me which of the quarterbacks in new spots as of right now will possess the most fantasy value as a standalone fantasy quarterback when the 2020 season, or the, did I even say that? When the next season ends up coming around. If you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience Audio Podcast, download the last five episodes, leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you like about this show, and you earn that draw for 100 DK dollars. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo experience. Experience.